0: Welcome everyone to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Andrea Spiker from the University of Wisconsin. Today I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Megan Bishop, who is a sports medicine surgeon at Rothman Orthopedics in New York. Dr. Bishop was the first author of the publication titled, The Arthroscopic Surgery Skill Evaluation Tool Global Rating Scale is a valid and reliable adjunct measure of performance on a virtual reality simulator for hip arthroscopy. Which was published in the June 2021 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Her co-authors include Gabriella Ode, Daniel Herwit, Stefan Smug, Ryan Rock, Joseph Nguyen, and Anil Ranawat. Welcome, Dr. Bishop, and thank you very much for joining me. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for having me. So, Megan, can you tell us a little bit about your practice and then how the evolution of this study idea began? Sure.
1: So I'm um, sports medicine surgeon. I practice at Rossman Orthopedics, uh, both in Manhattan and in Westchester. Um, I actually started this project when I was in my fellowship at Hospital for Special Surgery a few years ago. And I, you know, I kind of fell into this project, starting fellowship as one that I was hoping that kind of is the prospective study that could potentially get done during my fellowship year um, and was relatively interested in and resident education and kind of training in that respect. So um, it was something that I was interested in and it turned out to be a pretty good project.
0: Great. And tell us a little bit about what specifically spurred your interest in studying virtual reality simulation in a procedure like hip arthroscopy compared to some of the other sports medicine procedures that you were learning and training in, in your sports medicine fellowship. Well, I think some of this kind of led
1: into the only uh, simulator that we had in my fellowship was a hip. <laughs> so that's kind of where we got geared to doing a lot of our studies uh, looking at hip arthroscopy specifically. And, you know, like I said, the goal was to be able to kind of get a product done uh, quickly um, and be able to kind of see it through from start to finish in that year that I, I was at HSS. And then hopefully we'd be able to kind of branch off and come up with some new studies from there. Um, and this initial study was really looking at what we call like the construct validity of um, grading these simulators. And this asset score uh, or the um, arthroscopy surgery skill evaluation tool had been looked at using knee scopes before shoulder wrists and really hadn't been thoroughly investigated using hip arthroscopy yet. So we thought that was kind of a good starting point to look at for using the simulator to kind of validate uh, a previously used and validated scoring system for other arthroscopy simulators to look out specifically for the hip.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think one thought as to um, why the hip arthroscopy simulator might have been the only simulator at HSS and and I too was a fellow once at HSS yeah, um, <laughs> is perhaps, you know, the utility of of uh, these virtual reality simulators. And their utilization in in procedures that are a little bit less straightforward, like a hip arthroscopy, when compared to something like a knee arthroscopy. So, can you describe for the listeners the components of the hip simulator and what the training modules consisted of?
1: Sure. So, we used um, a specific simulator called the Vertimed Hip Simulator, um, and it was an anatomic left hip model. So, it was only designed for the left hip. That kind of had an external rubber component and previously made. Portals, arthroscopic portals were already made on the uh, model. Uh, you were able to kind of put traction on the hip. You were able to put the hip in flexion um, and actually simulate the positions that you needed for the for uh, positioning to see both the central and peripheral compartments. You were able to use instruments. So obviously there was an arthroscope, which was you know similar to the exact one you would use in the OR. Um, there was a shaver. You can use a grasper and a punch. They had a, a probe. And then, you know, you can even do like normal fluid management. Um, fluid didn't get pumped into the actual simulator, but you could simulate bleeding and things like that to actually make it seem more real. So for our actual setup for the study, we kind of did two basic tasks. We did a, a diagnostic module where we had uh, essentially just a diagnostic arthroscopy of the both the central and peripheral compartments where the uh, participants had to identify different uh, anatomic landmarks. Um, and essentially like when you put the scope um, over top of the landmark, it would kind of trigger that you actually identified it correctly. And then we also did a surgical module, which actually was a um, loose body retrieval. So there were two loose bodies that were both in the uh, central compartment and you had to use grasper and be able to kind of pull them out of uh, the actual hip. So those were the two um, tasks that we had all the participants do.
0: Great. and. You mentioned a little bit earlier, the asset tool. So the arthroscopy surgery skill evaluation tool, global rating scale. And uh, in the paper, you mentioned that the asset had been the gold standard metric in knee and shoulder arthroscopy since about 2013. So uh, as you mentioned earlier, it had not yet been evaluated in the hip arthroscopy um, setting. So can you tell the listeners just a little bit about how this rating scale is used and how it was scored in this study? Yeah, so the, the asset surgical tool consists of eight different domains that are scored kind of from
1: a a seminar or scored between a scale of one to five, with one being, uh, novice, uh, three being kind of in the middle, a competent and five being designated as an expert. Um, and then there, the eighth domain is actually just scored from one to three, and that's actually called autonomy, which basically, were you able to complete the task without any help, um, from anyone else? So overall, you know, it goes from nine to 38 is the scale. Um, and it covers things like safety, field of view, camera dexterity, instrument dexterity, bimanual dexterity, flow of procedure, quality of procedure, and autonomy. So those are the main things that we look on that, to score. Specifically for this study, we wanted to kind of determine um, whether or not the people that are less experienced, like the medical students, their first and second year residents, kind of fit the mold of the novice versus the more experienced kind of uh, residents, chiefs, fellows and then the experts that we had kind of fell into the role of the, you know, scoring fours and fives uh, based on the asset global rating scale. So we kind of made arbitrary cutoffs uh, based on their their one is not as three as competent as five to, as expert uh, to kind of set as thresholds for competency with our um, participants performing the two modules.
0: Okay. And... You know prior to this study i guess uh, i'd be curious to know what your own personal experience was with virtual reality simulation um you know throughout your own residency you mentioned that you know in sports medicine this was uh, in fellowship training this was one of the only modules available but what other types of virtual reality simulation had you been exposed to prior to this
1: um in all honesty really not much <laughs> um we in my residency so i did residency at, at jefferson in Philadelphia. And uh, we actually, we didn't have any kind of, you know, simulators there. Uh, we did most of our skill sessions using cadavers. So, you know, ob- obviously there's a lot of benefits for using a cadaver over a simulator, but simulators are much more accessible to be able to, you know, frequently, you know, go in at any time and practice. So I think that, you know, there's benefits to both types of training, and they probably can be complementary to each other.
0: Yeah, I had a very similar experience where you know, I knew these simulators existed, but we weren't really integrating them into our education and um, you know, didn't spend a lot of time on them. And that, uh, that's an important idea because one of the things that you were looking at was whether your participants had had prior experience on these simulators. And interestingly, one other thing that you had looked at was whether they had had prior experience with video games. And so, you know, one of the limitations that I think you mentioned was that there is this learning curve for the simulator usage outside of the learning curve for the actual procedures and maneuvers that were were being evaluated in the study. And so, you know, speaking to those pa- participants with video game experience, for example, they had scored higher on the total simulator score and the asset for both diagnostic and surgical mod- modules. So I'm just curious, you know, what your thoughts are on how... Um, something like video game experience plays a role in your VR simulator performance or even into real life arthroscopy performance. Yeah. And I think,
1: you know, we talk about a learning curve with the uh, simulator. And actually, if you looked at the results of the study, like the experts doing the loose body retrieval actually initially did worse than, you know, some of the, um, you know, more novice uh, participants. And that's part of the learning curve, kind of just learning how the simulator works and getting used to the haptics of it and the instruments and things like that. So there's definitely a learning curve that's necessary for uh, the simulator. And when you look at things like video game experience and things like that, like, I think that people that have video game experience probably are a little bit more used to those types of haptics, um, which, you know, the cartilage that you see in there, just the appearance of uh, the simulator kind of being through uh, a computer and things like that. Additionally, I think that you actually can kind of start to cheat the simulator once you start to use it more often, almost like a video game. So once you get more experience with it, you kind of learn the tricks on ways to like get the loose body faster and things like that that aren't necessarily a uh, improvement in your skills. It might be more just learning how the simulator works.
0: That's a great point. I think also that might apply to arthroscopy though too. <laughs> the more we do arthroscopy, yeah. you know, sometimes we learn those tricks and, you know, the different ways that you can kind of uh, get there faster and more efficiently. So, so maybe it also has some real-world application in that sense too. So, yeah, in yeah, your that hand, is
1: true, but I do think that some of them are really actually kind of just cheating che- cheating the system, <laughs> but um, you know, you do get
0: lucky in arthroscopy sometimes too. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. So you, you had a chance to use this simulator. How real did you feel this hip arthroscopy simulator was compared to the live operating room setting when you were performing hip arthroscopies? I mean, obviously there's a lot more elements at play when you're in
1: the actual OR. So, you know, you've got the full patient setup on the HANA table, you've got, you know, if you wanna bring in C arm, there's a lot of things that you can't simulate with the simulator, but some of the good things are, um, you know the simulator actually like allows you to practice like positioning the leg, um, putting traction on. So some of the just kind of learning like the basic ideas and principles behind positioning. Um, and then you know the one of the downsides too of the simulator is that the portals are already created. So you know you don't get to create the portals, but you can at least get an idea of where the best you know viewing portal is to see certain structures, You can practice triangulation and things like that, and, and then just get a good familiarity of. Uh, what you know the inside the hip looks like, and um, you know it is at least a good basic introduction to um, hip arthroscopy, and um, you know might be able to allow you to achieve competency in these basic skills.
0: That's a great point. The question I was going to ask you, of course, is you know what is the the biggest benefit of, of hip arthroscopy VR simulators? And I think you've really touched on it. You know, while there are a lot of limitations the ability to perform these repetitions, um, to actually have the instruments in um, their own hands and get the basic skills of a more complex surgery like a hip arthroscopy really seems to be a benefit. And from my understanding, these simulators also have that arthroscopy screen that that, um, the participants are looking up at um, in order to see all of these. Um, So there's a little bit of a component of a, a setup that's similar to what would be seen in the operating room. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So it's set up with the actual leg and then the, above you have a screen. So it is relatively similar to looking at the screen in the OR.
0: So what is your opinion on how much you think we should involving be involving these VR simulators in the education of our residents and sports medicine fellows when it comes to arthroscopy? I think you and I have both had pretty similar experiences that you know, we didn't have much exposure to these simulators. Your study has found that there are some good correlations with the actual performance of hip arthroscopy if you base it on novice versus more experienced surgeons. So do you think that you and I were at a disadvantage? I mean, is this something that we should be incorporating into our trainee education going forward? I don't necessarily think we were at a disadvantage, but I do think there are
1: Great benefits to be able to incorporate this into training, especially early training for you know our first and second year residents that are learning arthroscopy um, and probably not getting those repetitions in the OR as much as they would like. You know, I think the best benefits of these are really just to learn the basics, you know, of hip arthroscopy. Like I said, what portals use, what instruments to use, training learning the anatomy. Uh, those are you know kind of I think the biggest benefits really for experts, you know, in more complex procedures, you know, stuff like labor repair, things like that. I don't know that we're there yet uh, with the simulators, but I think that for the the early education and, uh, you know, basic skills that the simulators can be a really good benefit to resident education at this point. I think that the eventual goal will be able to come up with a like curriculum using these and then potentially like kind of translate these skills from the uh, simulators to the OR, uh, so I'm sure there probably are some people that are out there doing that. But I, I think that you know that's kind of the next steps.
0: Yeah, that's a that's great foresight, and I think that your study really helps build that foundation. You know, being able to say uh, that you've noticed these differences, that there are uh, quantitative measures like the total simulator score and the asset score um, that can be used. So I think that's a, a definitely a step in the right direction, and I think you're spot on with those. Uh, junior residents, especially um, when it comes to arthroscopy, as you know, you know, there's really only one person who can be holding the scope at one time, and so unlike learning open procedures, you know, it is a a much longer process uh, to become adept at working the scope because they just get less hands-on time in the operating room when there's an attending who's actually operating the scope as well. For sure. So you know, you mentioned a little bit about next directions, but. Based on your experience and, and your uh, findings with this study, what would you be most interested in studying next related to the VR simulator in either hip arthroscopy or in arthroscopy in general? What do you think You know, we should study uh, in relation to how we can better integrate this into education uh, in, in especially those junior residents and early trainees, as you were um, mentioning earlier?
1: Yeah, I think that we should try to come up with a potential learning curriculum using these, using the simulator itself, kind of putting it into practice, and then you know we can comparing this to kind of cadaveric skills labs, and seeing how trainees do, you know, that have learned on a cadaver versus learned on a simulator, and putting those actually into practice, so that we can kind of validate that the simulators are, you know just as good, if not better, or, you know, I think that would be a useful thing. Or even just comparing, getting actual people that got a simulator curriculum and give them to the OR and seeing how it translates. So I, I think those are the next steps, but we, we need to come up with that, with that curriculum and be able to get those uh, resources to be able to do those studies.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bishop, for sharing your thoughts with us today. Um, It's really been a pleasure to speak with you, and I'm really uh, looking forward to finding out more about these VR simulators and hopefully integrating them into our practices and our education. So thank you again. Thanks for having me, Andrea, and just also thanks to all my
1: co-authors. I just want to say that on all the work on this paper as well.
0: Dr. Bishop's paper titled The Arthroscopic Surgery Skill Evaluation Tool global rating scale is a valid and reliable adjunct measure of performance on a virtual reality simulator for hip arthroscopy can be found in the June 2021 issue of Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. This concludes our episode of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal.